Welcome to the podcast of Destiny Community Church, located in Newberry, Florida, where Rocky McKinley is our lead pastor. Thanks for tuning in. Here's today's message. There were two men named Jim and John that were walking their dogs when they passed by a, a, a restaurant. And the vents on top of the restaurant were allowing the aroma of the food that was being cooked inside the restaurant to flow out onto the street and sidewalk. And so Jim and John, they, they could smell the food and they became hungry. And so Jim suggested that the two of them should go in and get something to eat there at the restaurant. But John responded with, he said, Jim, we can't. Don't you see the sign that says no pets allowed? Jim looked at it and nodded his head and he thought for a moment and he said, don't worry about that sign. He then took a pair of sunglasses out of his pocket, put them on his head and walked up to the door of the restaurant with his dog. When he started to walk into the door, the manager of the restaurant stopped him and said, sorry, sir, no pets allowed. And Jim said, sir, can't you see that I am blind? This is my seeing eye dog. The manager replied, he said, but sir, it's, it's a Doberman pincher. Who uses a Doberman as a seeing eye dog? And Jim responded, he said, oh, you must not have heard. This is the latest type of seeing eye dog and they do a very, very good job. The manager apologized to Jim and allowed him to go in to the restaurant and sit at a table. Standing outside, John saw everything that was going on, and so he too decided that he was going to act blind, and he reached in his pocket, put on his sunglasses, and walked up to the door with his dog. Before he could even open his mouth, the manager said, don't tell me that a chihuahua is the latest type of seeing eye dog, and thinking quickly on his feet, John responded, responded with, you mean they gave me a chihuahua? <laughs> the gift of sight is something that so many of us take for granted. I mean, today, just, just waking up and being able to open our eyes, to be able to see, it's such a gift. And unless you have experienced blindness, it is probably hard to relate to actually being blind. This week, I, I saw in the news that there's a, a company called eSight, that they have created this special set of, of goggles, glasses, if you will, that, that they use a high-definition camera, a video camera, to help legally blinded people see. And so I was watching this news report, and, and it was amazing, as this, this child, uh, young child, they put it on his, uh, his face, and he got to see his mom for the first time. And, and what he said is, I see mom's hair. I see her hair. And, but the one that really stood out to me was this one woman who had just given birth to a baby. And she's laying there in the hospital bed. They put the goggles on her, and she sees her newborn child for the first time. And through this innovation, something she had never experienced before, she had never seen a baby. And the first one that she gets to see is her own. The gift of sight is a blessing that many of us take for granted. But church, it's not the physical blindness that concerns me this morning. What I'm really concerned about is the spiritual blindness. I'm not preaching this to condemn anyone in the room. I don't want you to feel that way. I don't want you to feel that kind of pressure because I think we all fall victim to it at times, that there's a spiritual blindness that takes place in our lives. 
Because the things that we are blind to have a tendency to define us. So that's why it's so important for us to get the scales pulled back from our eyes so that we can see things clearly. As you turn with me to John chapter 9, I want you to be reminded that the culture of the day that we're going to read about in Scripture was that sickness, disease, or hardship was part of God's judgment on humanity. That's what they believed. And so if you or one of your family members, if, if someone in your household, if they were sick, then you or someone that you're related to must have sinned and upset God. That this was God's judgment. And in hopes to get back in God's grace, they would sacrifice the right animal or give the right amount in the offering to make amends with God. Obviously, we know from what we have read in the Gospels about the life of Christ and his teachings, we know that Jesus had a different message. That his message was of love and forgiveness. His message helped us get back into right relationship with God and have a good understanding of that. And so I want us to pick it up at John chapter 9. I'm going to read verses 1 through 25. Verse 1 says, as he went along, he saw a blind man from birth. His disciples asked him, Rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Neither this man nor his parents sinned, Jesus said. But this happened so that the works of God might be displayed in him. As long as it is day, we must do the works of him who sent me. Night is coming when no one can work. While I am in the world, I am the light of the world. After saying this, he spit on the ground, made some mud with saliva, and put it on the man's eyes. Go, he told him, wash in the pool of Siloam. This word means scent. So the man went and washed and came home seeing. His neighbors and those who had formerly seen him begging asked, isn't this the same man who used to sit and beg? Some claimed that he was. Others said, no, he only looks like him. But he himself insisted, I am the man. How then were your eyes opened, they asked. He replied, the man they called Jesus made some mud and put it on my eyes. He told me to go to Siloam and wash, and I went and washed, and then I could see. Where is this man, they asked him. I don't know, he said. They brought to the Pharisees the man who had been blind. Now the day on which Jesus had made the mud and opened the man's eyes was a Sabbath. Therefore, the Pharisees also asked him how he had received his sight. He put mud on my eyes, the man replied, and I've washed, and now I see. Some of the Pharisees said, this man is not from God, for he does not keep the Sabbath. But others asked, how can a sinner perform such signs? So they were divided. Then they turned again to the blind man. What have you to say about him? It was your eyes he opened. The man replied, he is a prophet. They still did not believe that he had been blind and had received his sight until they sent for the man's parents. Is this your son, they asked. Is this the one you say was born blind? How is it that now he can see? We know he is our son, the parents answered, and we know he was born blind. But how he can see now or who opened his eyes, we don't know. Ask him. He is of age. He will speak for himself. 
His parents said this because they were afraid of the Jewish leaders who already had decided that anyone who acknowledged that Jesus was the Messiah would be put out of the synagogue. That was why his parents said, he is of age, ask him. A second time they summoned the man who had been blind. Give glory to God by telling the truth, they said. We know this man is a sinner. He replied, whether he is a sinner or not, I don't know. One thing I do know, I was blind, but now I see. In other words, I don't care who he is. I don't care what you have to say about this man they call Jesus. I don't care what he's done in the past, what he is doing or what he isn't doing. Here's what I do know. I was a blind man, and now I am a man that can see. I was blind, but now I see. It's interesting to me that after this man is healed, that people don't want to believe that it's the same man. People started talking. Isn't this the same man that used to sit and beg? Isn't this the guy that we used to see sitting on the corner asking for everybody else's money? And people would respond and say, no, 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 no. He just looks like him. You know, it's his doppelganger. It's his twin. You know, he just, he just looks like that guy. It's not him. He just resembles him. And then even the Pharisees, the religious leaders, they didn't want to believe the guy. He's sitting there telling them, I was a blind man, but now I see. And they don't want to believe him, so they send for his parents. Blind from birth, the people around him only knew him as the blind beggar. If you think about this man's life, it was a sad life. He was not able to hold down a good job. He was blind. And this was in a day and age long before the advancements of technology that we have today. This guy did not have access to a computer that could speak to him. A number of years ago when I was a youth pastor, I remember this piano player that was blind that came to our church. Some of you have seen this guy on some of the Gaither videos. His name is Gordon Moat. And Gordon Moat is a fantastic songwriter, piano player, and, and, uh, and like I said, Bill Gaither has used him numerous times on different videos and such. And, and I remember when he was doing a sound check, we set his, uh, a baby grand piano up in the middle of the stage at the church, and, and I remember Gordon Moat getting his songs all lined up, uh, you know, setting his song list in his computer because he would play the piano to tracks that were playing through his computer. And as he began to line everything up, I'm watching this guy, and I know he's blind, and all of a sudden I hear his computer start talking back to him. This is 15 years ago, and the computer's talking back to him. And I thought, man, how cool is that, that even this blind guy can use this computer and do what he needs to do. But man, this guy here in the Bible, this is long before a computer could talk to anyone. This is long before computers. This guy didn't have Siri on his smartphone he, he didn't have signs written in Braille next to, to doors that would tell you there's a staircase here. Be careful. He didn't have raised sidewalk dots to help him cross the street safely. 
No, this man's life consisted of someone putting him in a particular spot where he would stay all day long and there he would beg people for their hard-earned money. And at the end of the day, he would have to rely on someone else to come and pick him up to take him home. And the next day, the cycle would start over. Someone would have to bring him to his spot, set him there, and there he would beg for other people's money all day long and then someone would have to take him home. And the next day, and the next day. This is his life. This is what life looks like for this blind beggar. And when people referred to him, they would say, you know, the beggar that can't see. His current situation had defined who he was. Church, listen to me, never, I repeat, never let your current circumstances define who you are. And this is what I see in people's lives way too often. Even in Christians' lives, we are allowing our current circumstances to define who we are. And we should never let that happen because your current circumstances do not last forever. But we act as though they are a permanent sentence on our life. Whatever you're going through right now, whatever hardship it is that you're facing, whatever concern you have in your life right now, I promise you it will not last forever. And you cannot allow that to define who you are going to become. When performing premarital counseling for couples that are going to get married, I often share with them that marriage does not change people or their personalities. This is good. For some of you, it has nothing to do with what I'm preaching, but I want you to listen. Whoever you're going to marry, if there is a trait or a characteristic in their life that drives you a little crazy, don't expect it to change once you say, I do. As a matter of fact, it's probably going to be magnified whenever you say, I do. <laughs> Trust me. This is experience talking now. She gets to talk at the women's brunch. I get to talk up here. (laughs) And so I will tell couples, you know, warning them ahead of time. If there's something in your potential mate, your your future spouse that, that doesn't jive with you, if you can't get over that, don't you think that when you say I do that they're, you know, just instantaneously going to change. I tell them that in most cases an unhappy single person is going to be an unhappy married person. That a bitter, angry single person will be a bitter, angry married person. That a greedy single person is going to just become a a greedy married person. And an impatient single person is going to be an impatient married person. Don't expect them to change because marriage does not change a person. And most situations in life, they don't change really who somebody is. Somebody thinks, well, man, if if I win the lottery, I'm just going to change. I'm just going to be a better person. No, you're going to be the same person with money. That's who you're going to be. But there is something that I have realized that will change a person. One encounter with Jesus. 
All it takes is one moment with the Son of God, and it's in that moment that a person's trait, characteristic, or anything else that drives you crazy about them, whatever has defined them in their life, it is in that moment that you encounter Jesus Christ that that, that person can be changed. You may be broke right now. You don't have a pot to pee in. You ever heard that phrase, pot to pee in? That doesn't mean you're going to be broke for the rest of your life. You may be lonely today, but that doesn't mean that tomorrow you can't find companionship. You may be full of anxiety and fear during this season of your life, but that does not mean that you cannot find comfort and peace in the next season of your life. When this blind beggar woke up that morning, he had no idea that his life was about to change. He had no idea what was in store for him and that he was about to encounter the life-changing power of Jesus Christ. He had no idea. That morning, he was the blind man that begs. That evening, he was the man that could now see. He was now a man that could hold down a good job. He was now a man that could walk down a flight of stairs without falling right by himself. He was now a man that could cross the street without getting run over by a donkey. <laughs> Life changed in one moment. Whatever defines you before Christ church does not define you after Christ. And some of you need to stand on that word right there today because what they said about you back then does not define who you're going to become and once you encounter Jesus Christ. What they're saying about you right now it doesn't define your future unless you allow it to. Because one encounter with Jesus should change your identity. You know what, though? For years, it troubled me with this story. Because as if the blind man doesn't have enough troubles already, Jesus spits on the ground. He makes mud and then rubs it in the man's eyes. What is wrong with you, Jesus? This guy is already having a bad life, not just a bad day. He is having a bad life. You know what I'm talking about. You've been there. Has your day ever gone from, from bad to worse? You, you ever had that happen? You know what happens. You, 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 you wake up, you're running late already. The alarm clock didn't go off. And so you're, you're, you're running late already. You, you iron your shirt really quick. You, you, you throw it on only to notice that it has a stain on it. And so then quickly you change your shirt again. This time you don't have time to iron it. You pick your baby up to say bye to your baby. And your baby spits up all over your shirt. And so then you finally make it to your car to where you think, finally, I'm out of the jungle of my household. I can get going to work. And then your car won't start and you've got to jump it off. When you finally get on the road, traffic is so backed up and your day is just going from bad to worse. You see, the problem with it, I just got that illustration from some of your Facebook posts. <laughs> Listen, if you're having a bad day, just remind yourself, at least you're not blind and a man is rubbing mud in your eye because that is a really, really bad day. But here's what I believe was really happening. Was that Jesus was proving to those around him that he was divine. These Jews, they knew their history. You see, when they went to school, 
They didn't have books for arithmetic, English, and literature. No, everything they needed was in the first five books of the Bible, the Torah. That was what they would learn at school. There was no separation of church and state. It was God's Word. So they knew the Torah. They knew the first five books of the Bible. And Jesus was just proving his deity as he took them back to the beginning, to the book of Genesis. Genesis 2 and 7 says, Then the Lord God formed the man of dust from the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living creature. At the moment that Jesus is standing there before this blind man, and he spits in the ground and he begins to make mud. And then he takes it and he smears it across that man's eyes. It was a reminder for everybody that was watching that God created man from the dust of the ground. And if you want to be fixed, then you've got to go back into the hands of that potter, of that creator, of the one who knows you inside and out. And he was proving that he was still God. As dramatic as it was, rubbing mud in this man's eye reminded everybody that God is still still the creator of humanity. You see, Jesus was there. When God said, let us make man in our image, it was God the Father, God the, the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And, and in that moment, when they decided to make man in their image, they became the creators of humanity. If I want my craftsman lawnmower fixed, and I want them to stand behind their repair, I take it to Sears. Because that's their name brand. It's their name on the line. And so if I want it fixed, I'm taking it to Sears. If I want my MacBook fixed, I'm taking it to the Apple store. I had a pair of, of Oakley sunglasses. I'd only had them for a few months, and they were, they were right here, just clipped on my shirt. And, and I just bent over to pick something up off the floor, and they fell just, just this far, landed on, on a, a floor that had carpet on it. And a little knobby on one of the, the arms broke off. Do you know how ridiculous it would have been for me to send those Oakley sunglasses to Ray-Ban and expect them to fix it? Ray-Ban can care less about Oakley sunglasses. No, what I did is I called customer service at Oakley. I explained to them what happened. I had to send them pictures of, of the sunglasses. You know, eventually, I got a new pair of sunglasses out of the deal. That doesn't happen if I call the wrong manufacturer. And when it comes to humanity, the only thing that can fix our problems is Jesus. I'm going to get in trouble, but I'm going to do it anyway. Not your favorite politician. They didn't make you. They didn't create you. They'll probably break you before it's over. Some of us, we're falling apart right now because of the political scene. Remember, as God's children, we're part of a theocracy long before we're part of a democracy. And I've never seen his, his, his seed begging for bread. Never. Why are you so worried about it? I believe we have a, a responsibility as Christians to vote. I do. But no matter what the outcome is, none of those candidates created me. They don't know me. 
we've got to get back to our Creator. Back to the one that was there when God said, let us make man in our image. And the only hope for humanity is Jesus. The only hope that we have is that he'll spit in the ground once again, make some mud, and remind us that he created us from the dust of the earth and rub mud in our eye. That's what we need. We need a good dose of mud rubbed in our eyes. Look at somebody next to you and say, here's mud in your eye. When it comes to a lack of vision... I figured out that there are two types of people. Those that know they can't see and they don't care to do anything about it. And those that don't know that they can't see. Now I'm convinced that last night my wife opened my iPad and looked at my notes for today because she never, ever does this. It'll make sense in just a second. A few years ago, my wife went to the eye doctor and had her eyes checked and the optometrist told her she needed glasses and wrote the prescription and we paid the money bought her the prescribed glasses that she needed spent all the money on that you know and my family will tell you Mandy never wears her glasses she knows she can't see, but she doesn't care to do anything about it. Today, she's sitting on the front row right here wearing her glasses. So I know she looked at my notes last night. I know she did. She just, she's out to ruin my illustration right now. Get thee behind me, Satan. When I was 21 years old, I went to a conference in St. Petersburg with a group of sound engineers from the church that I was attending and volunteering at. And we were sitting in a big auditorium, much bigger than this. It would seat thousands. This church was huge. But it was a breakout session. And so set up in the middle of the room was this huge soundboard. And, and up on the, the screen was an equalizer. And, and it was our job, as we're being taught, to balance that equalizer out. And so that means that we were going to have to look at all these little numbers across the bottom of the screen, figure out which band needed to be corrected. I know I'm, for some of you, you're like, we have no idea what you're talking about right now. Bottom line is, I had to be able to read that small print. And I didn't think anybody in the room could. And I thought, why did y'all set the table up this far in the back for us? You know, we can't see it. Then they're coming down the line, and these guys are tweaking the soundboard, and they're fixing it. And I'm realizing, they either have really good ears, or they can see something that I can't see. And so I, I looked at the guy next to me. He was from the church that, that I was attending. He was part of our group. And his name was Freddie, a middle-aged man named Freddie. And I said, Freddie, can you see those numbers up there? And the, the, it's getting closer and closer to me. The instructor's coming down the line. I'm, I'm going to have to act soon. And he said, Freddie said, yeah, I can see them. You can't see them? I went, no, I can't see them. And this panic is starting to happen. Freddie takes his glasses off of his face and hands them to me. And I put the glasses on and it was like, whoa. <laughs> there was so much of the world that I had been missing out on. Freddie was much uglier than what I thought. <laughs> but the world was amazing. And I looked up and all of a sudden I could see all of those little bands, all of those little numbers. Freddie, man, out of the goodness of his heart, he takes out another pair of glasses and their prescription sunglasses and he puts them on. And the rest of the day, inside its sessions in this conference, he's just chilling with his sunglasses on the rest of the day, <laughs> letting me use 
It was by the grace of God that it had to be close to the prescription that I would need. I had no idea until that moment that I couldn't see. Didn't know. Here's my point. Some of us may not realize that we have vision problems. We may think that we see life clearly, but in reality, life is a little blurry. Let me tell you something. With every decision you make, you don't have to wonder. God will give you guidance and direction. He's not the author of confusion. He says his sheep will hear him and know his voice. If you're not seeing life clearly, then you've probably got a little vision problem. You need some tweaking. You need some mud in your eye is what you need. This morning we sang a hymn that is familiar to everyone in this room. It's a classic song that all of us in the room can relate to, especially those of us that know Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. But almost everybody in the room knows this song, Amazing Grace. There have been books written, movies made about the writer of this song, John Newton. John Newton Newton was a, a former slave trader. But what most people don't realize is that John Newton didn't write Amazing Grace until 25 years after his decision to follow Christ. You have to understand what the world looked like during that time. As shocking as it is, it's it's important to understand the historical context because at that time, most white believers did not see slavery as evil. It's true. I mean, it's a sad part of history, but, but it's true. And what's real shocking is that John Newton spent 10 years as a slave trader and most most of those years came after his salvation. This will mess you up. That the guy that wrote Amazing Grace, a song that all races sing about, know about, that that guy, even after he professed Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, still was a slave trader. But then one day it hit him. There was a moment in his life where Jesus rubbed a little mud in his eye. There was a moment when things became a little clearer. And this guy realized that what he thought was right for his life was no longer right. And so he sat down and he wrote this song. Amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now am found. Was blind, but now I see. 
he was echoing the words of a blind beggar that said, I was blind, but now I see. Because a real encounter with Christ will do that to you. It'll open your eyes to where you can see life a little bit more clearly. And don't think this. Don't think that, that an encounter with Christ, that, that everything happens in just that one moment. The world has a way of getting back into us if we're not careful. That's why we have to keep coming to the feet of Jesus. That's why we have to keep returning back to those moments and those encounters. And I don't know about you, but it's almost daily that I need a little mud rubbed in my eyes. I need a daily encounter with Christ to help me see things more clearly. Because I'm blind. And I need to see. For some of you in the room, you're allowing your current circumstances to define who you are becoming. You need some spiritual mud in your eye. You need to see Christ and you need to see him more clearly. You need to pray, God, change my vision. Change my outlook. Change the way that I see things. You know, that's one of the hardest prayers for some of us to pray because we're so set in our ways. It's hard to pray, God, change the way I see things. Today is much like that day, that Sabbath day is what the Bible said that that man encountered Jesus. It was a day of worship. That's why the Pharisees were so upset with Jesus. He was working on the Sabbath when he healed this man. But it was a day much like today, a day of worship. I believe some of you are about to encounter Jesus just like that man did. Thank you for listening to the podcast of DCC. We pray you have been blessed by today's message. We would love to meet you in person. For service times and directions, log on to www.destinycommunitychurch.org or call the church office at 352-472-3284. Thanks again for listening. Destiny Community Church, for life's journey.